Hello and welcome to Up To It, Down To It, our pilot episode. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is Ty Robertson. Hey, I'm Ty Robertson. I'm a VFX artist from Atlanta, Georgia. And Roman Fruhan. Hi, I'm uh, Roman, and uh, I watch way too many movies, which gives me some weird film credentials, I guess. <laughs> and Miles Waltz Dill. Uh, yep, I'm um, um, Miles. The Count of S on Twitter, resident maniac and lunatic from Bermuda. (laughs) All right. So this is our pilot episode of Up To It, Down To It, which is our new show. Uh, You might know myself, Kamran, from Sutra Side Talk. I'm the host of that show. Uh, Ty, you might know as well. He was on one of our episodes previously. And our whole group here, uh, we've been friends for quite some time now. We all went to college together in Savannah College of Art and Design. And uh, we got through many, uh, many antics together. And we wanted to create a new show where we just talk about random topics. Uh, Usually each episode will be around an hour or so. And we'll just go through on a specific topic and just talk about it. There's no, there's no like full uh, agenda on it. It's just full free for all. And our first episode here, starting off, was none other than the Star Wars prequels. Yes. So, uh, did you guys, before we start, have anything you want to say just about us or anything? Well, uh, first off, you guys can speak immaculately on record, which I'm very proud of, and. To be quite candid, if you hear anything in the background to our audiences, I live a very illustrative life. So please forgive any background gunshots, dogs barking, or. (laughs) (laughs) I guess first, please please excuse if you hear me, you know, popping a couple of shots off at my neighbors, you know. Sometimes they can get a little rowdy. (laughs) Hey, Hunter S. Thompson did it. Yeah, uh, for those that don't know, we're all in very uh, separate parts of the country and other uh, areas that may be island-oriented as well. Well, I guess (laughs) I'm no longer in Texas. I'm close to Ty. That is very true now, yeah. For the first time. Mm -hmm. We stretch all the way from California to the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, so I guess first bit of business, what's all of our stances on the prequels? Because I feel like we got to put our theses like out there. Um, I, I know that for the most part, three of us are kind of just like, eh, uh, somewhere between eh to like, they're bad. <laughs> and then we have one like strong defender. I feel like is going to be miles. They're masterpieces. <laughs> Straight and, up. And, Magnum opus. And I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, uh, the stance on the, the complete opposite stance on that. Not to, not to piss anyone off or just, argue class. about it yeah just just to just to have a healthy debate i'll take the, the the most negative stance on it because while i was in college and i used to hate the prequel trilogy with a passion miles did turn me around on them because he defended them so greatly and going back and re-watching them again i can appreciate with with certainty that miles has a point but I still fucking hate him. 
you gotta get mad at that one. That's that's accurate. Hey, that's that's, that's such a well spoken negative opinion. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, that's I, about I, as well spoken as I'm gonna get because it's gonna be just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea, but also it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean to be truthful, if if I sat there and I was like George Lucas's producer, and you know, like the curtains drop on episode one. I think I'd like turn around and be like, what the fuck did you do with my money, man? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, later on, I think I could see what was going on. But, but dude, I, I just love it because it's like one of the few examples of like a creator just, it, it's like it's your, your homework diary sketches get produced with like a multi million dollar budget. And no, like it's just unapologetically vomited out of his head. So I feel like it's a constellation of good ideas but they're like thrown like a Pollock painting with no type of structure or thought outside of the immediate, like, I like this color and it's going on the canvas. So, mm-hmm. you know, very I, I feel breaking, like, very sincere, but a lot yeah. to unpack. I feel like I, that perfectly like segues into like my kind of stance on it where like I'm split in the middle where I think he's got like this great imagination and all these great ideas but yeah, it's like so many times in the past, I didn't even realize that George Lucas doesn't like, he, he's hardly directed anything like. Uh, oh, compared to other directors. Oh yeah. Well, and he's hardly written anything. Like he's always had yeah. somebody like, you know, with him, uh, like I had a little scrap that would come in and a couple <laughs> things I, as I, I, I said, like, them, it was fantastic. I'll probably quote it later, but I went through and like found like all of his credits and started like kind of sorting through them. But I realized that like the the number of times that George Lucas has been like on on his own, like just completely, you know, just out in the wild without anybody to stop him has been very, very few. And this and like the prequels are like this perfect, you know, sort of stretch of time where like nobody said no to George Lucas. And it's funny because usually it seems like he's the type of guy who's an ideas man who hands off ideas uh, to to other writers and directors to finish because there's so many things, especially related to Star Wars that he is like credited as like the quote creator, but he's not like the writer or director. He's like the dude who created the concept and the outline and somebody else finished it. And I feel like that's like typically where he like shines and then the prequels are just sort of like you know brain vomit like on the screen it's all like there's so much good stuff and there's so much bad stuff and i'm so 50 50 about it especially after watching it again recently i feel like he's just like a man after my own heart i I feel like if i was given a hollywood budget it would be like something (laughs) like that you know an extremely polished turd in the shape of michelangelo so like the thinker but it's just oh, a yes. giant beautifully sculpted piece of shit i Wonderful. mean like to start off with jump right into episode one i think mm-hmm. immediately episode one i think visually is one of the best looking films in history in terms of like cgi practical sets like it has a very rich and stark existence like just looking at it i think that like for example, the Battle of Naboo, where um they're they're in the Starfighters against the the Space Hulk. Uh, no, I thought you were gonna say a different part of the battle. <laughs> There's like um when they attack the space station, the yeah, yeah, Federation the, uh, the, the Federation blockade ship. That that looks like the peak of not only traditional like the original Star Wars, 
but it also looks like incredibly good for like CGI Star Wars. And that's because of the time that it came out. It has that perfect blend of practical and CG. It's, it's much, you know, I, I compare episode one to uh, Jurassic Park on a lot of those uh, on just its visuals alone. The model making is phenomenal and and the effects. I mean, when they blow up, when they blow up uh, uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's ship, like right in the very beginning in the space hangar, you know, when they blow it up right there, that was a model and it looked amazing. Yeah, I actually wrote that down when we when we watched it, like one of the notes, uh, like I was like, my gosh, I'm actually amazed at how many miniatures I'm noticing, Uh, as well as like one of my favorite miniature effects of all time, which is for all the wide shots of the uh, the like stadium stands for the pod race it's yeah. just a bunch of little painted q-tips that just bob up and down it's beautiful like yeah it's an amazing beautiful simple effect i'm like and that's hey. and that's why i'm not going to be saying a lot about episode one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny. it get rips on the ripped on the most and it's maybe got the most going for it visually that's like good it yeah. is, honestly it kind of represents where we come from too where we all kind of came at that same time where that generation where we come before all the smartphones and then go straight into them where it's like that weird, they're that weird floppy disc movie that just was really weird in between. And with the fact that like, it is that transition where episode two and three, it's a lot more CG. There isn't really much in terms of practicality there. And it's a one of a kind that you don't ever see again. I've, I've got a quick oh, yeah. question for everyone here. Um, mm-hmm. Did anyone grow up with the prequel trilogy before being introduced to the original trilogy? No. So as a boy, I had seen the originals, but I didn't like Star Wars until I saw the prequels. And then I thought Star Wars was cool. See, I didn't see the original trilogy until I was 14. I saw nothing about it. I mean, I knew the whole, you know, Luke, I'm your father thing, but it never resonated with me. So when I saw episode five for the first time, it it kind of blew me away. But I saw the prequels every every opening with my dad, and I just did not know what the big deal was. Although I wore out that VHS tape for episode one like crazy when oh, I was yeah. a kid. Mm. I think the sea monster section has got to be seared in my brain for like, a sequence in a movie that like that was too good a sequence to be in the beginning of the movie dude like oh. you're just thinking about that constantly like that There's was always so... a bigger fish yeah, yeah. <laughs> just thinking about it to me. Boy, that's, boy, boy. <laughs> that's something that i wrote down that i thought was interesting about all three prequel films is that um the it, in, in like the original trilogy when you especially you know original star wars there's all this build-up that uh like there's a little bit of action right at the opening, but for the most part, it's this long buildup to get to know all the characters and kind of establish setting. Episode one just freaking flies out the gates with some action, which is like, you can weigh that as good or bad because on the one hand, it's really cool to get to see Jedi doing Jedi stuff in like the golden age of the Jedi. But on the other hand, yeah, there's scenes like that where you've got the the big fish scene and you're like, well, I, I want to see more of this, but it's kind of just, you could cut that scene and it wouldn't really change anything it's yeah. just sort of there as like a quick little action piece and it's like why i don't really I think understand. i think george lucas took a lot of um notes from steven spielberg and in uh indiana jones where every serial with indiana jones it starts with the end of a previous adventure and that's why i think 
episode one opens up with a trade deal and a blockade and we don't know what the hell they're doing there and then it goes south for some reason and then you got to fight fight your way out something that i realized that uh, is weird because i feel like i feel like george was trying to do this and it never clicked with me until like we watched it this most recent time uh I didn't realize that the opening of episode one opens with a save the princess mission, which is, you know, calling back to the original star Wars. And it's weird because there's not that much emphasis on it. Like it doesn't mirror closely enough to really like make that through line. And, you and make think you about realize, it, yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about it. And then I was like, Oh crap, they are like saving a princess. This could have been a really interesting callback. Cause, cause there's all that stuff where people talk about like, you know, uh, what do they call it like circular writing or that it echoes it, it echoes yeah it echoes it actually it would have actually been a fantastic point to employ that to be like okay hey like i know this is a weird new world we're on this like water slash desert planet that doesn't really like have any sort of meaning to the audience but let's like throw a couple jedi in one of them is somebody that we know already and he's doing something that we've seen Luke do before, you know, just in a new setting. I feel like that would have been wicked, but it's not strong enough to, to really punch that through. And I feel like that's what he was trying to do, and it just didn't come across. Yeah, no, not was, at all. Guys, if I, I try to interject, uh, I feel like I, I always say one word until someone lets me speak. So, like, no, forgive me. Oh, no, for yeah. sure. I feel the same. <laughs> anyway, anyways, um, I feel like the, the prequels are almost too diegetic a story so like the the originals i think they do a good job in putting you in an adventure like it's an adventure story whereas i feel like lucas he's like you know all the audiences are familiar with star wars so i'm just gonna push them in the deep end because you know you've got to have seen my films before if you're coming to see episode one like you know these are the prequels like they're built on a reference in the originals like these aren't even I guess, conventional sequels in a way. Um, to go backwards in a story arc like that, I think it's, it's quite unusual for, for a blockbuster series to do that. And um, yeah, they, they put you right in the shoes of this adventure that's currently happening. But it's not like Indiana Jones where you can pick up on the historical context of it where it's like, oh, they're fighting Nazis. You know, it's Star Wars. It's like, what you don't besides the opening crawl there's virtually no context even for star wars audiences because like retroactively we know everything about star wars because a lot of people grew up with the franchise or were avid fans but like for an average film goer to open a movie with a guy named qui-gon Jin, like whoa okay <laughs> that's really true yeah. honestly and it's just like oh yeah there's a trade federation blocking a thing and it's all these politics and you're like i'm i'm fucking six years old i have no way i like a lightsaber like that's pretty- yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it honestly i think it's something else that we were talking about when we watched the movies that is also like it's it's not like a wrong thing it's just really alienating is um you know miles you pointed out that like since this takes place in like sort of a golden age of the republic and everything's you know great before the collapse like of course you can kind of excuse that like technology looks nicer and that you see a lot more like high class culture versus like the rebels who are just scraping by. But like the design language of the prequels is like lots of big round shapes, lots of reflective surfaces. Excess. Yeah. You it's, know, it's, it's a like, renaissance. There's a renaissance. Everything's crumb in the past. 
Yeah, yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the exact opposite of what you see in you know the that sort of like cassette futurism of you know the 70s and 80s where everything is like really boxy really square really dull everything looks like it's like hard analog and then it's cheap. weird yeah everything looks yeah because you can't beat cheap you know can't the, be cheap can't be cheap and so it's super weird to like make the majority of the setting of the prequels be in this like really like ultra you know early 2000s sci-fi design language world where it, it you can put it in the context of a story but it's so strange i think roman you said it's like weird to see hotels in star wars yeah that, that feels strange it's just it's just weird it's just very strange looking at something that looks like the disney animal kingdom resort in a star wars like it, it looks like it looks like he was pitching a a a concept to a company of like hey if you opened up a star wars hotel this is what it would look like <laughs> it could be this here's in, my in star way, wars matched luggage i'm saying in a way he was doing that i i think that with the originals the merchandising taking off is a little bit of a fluke like you know they yeah. didn't have faith in it but um with the prequels, they, they knew that merchandising was going to be the flagship moneymaker outside the ticket sales. Oh, yeah. So, so I feel like George, George Lucas had to contextualize mm-hmm. everything as a product. Like um, the settings have to be things that could be cool theme parks or cool toy sets uh, mm-hmm. from the characters, from the ships and everything. I think one thing um, I, I like pointed out to, to myself when I was rewatching them, I, I didn't say it, but... Um, George Lucas, right, if you look at the opening of the original Star Wars, um, the soldiers actually fight from cover. Like, the characters peek out, they shoot, like, logically. Like, they fight from cover. However, you know, in a product where you have to show off the designs, you have to make the soldiers fight in a way the audience can just see the designs. And that's why in the Clone Wars, they they just walk forward and shoot at each other opposed to the, the kind of more traditional way the Imperials and the Rebels fought each other, and, um, or, or more realistic, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought it's, it's even more unusual with the Naboo throne room guards that are protecting Princess Amidala. They actually fight from cover. Like, they don't stand in the open and shoot because their designs are actually kind of boring, whereas the battle droids, yeah, they walk out in the open and shoot so kids can see them clearly. Yeah. That's a good point. I do have to say one of the things I really do enjoy is the, um, and I don't think I can credit George on this, but some designer, the, uh, I do really, really like that the clones have the like, you know, the helmets have the forehead, you know, to back of the head like fin because they look like the, uh, <clears throat> they look like those fish people who created them. Um, oh and, yeah. And that's, yeah. That's like a, it, cause you know, creators tend to, make their creations look like them you know we design robots that look human so why wouldn't they make uniforms for the clones that have you know uh like a physiology that mimics their own and then the geonosians created the droids and so that's why all the droids have those like long faces is because geonosians have long faces i never noticed that but that is genius but it's actually really cool are, yeah. are we hopping into episode two now because yeah. at this point it's freeform <laughs> actually yeah. Ty, i will i will say really fast i do believe that it was specifically i don't know how i know this but i think it's specifically the trade federation so the like newt gunray guys that made the battle droids and then the techno union guys 
that are the it's either them or the uh, Genosians create the super battle droids that are the blue ones later yeah. on. Well, even the super battle droids, even though their head is like sort of mounted oh, yeah. to their shoulders, they still have that like long face, just like the regular battle droids. And uh, I always thought that was just super cool. Uh, sorry, I saw that message that said, "Oh, thank God!" Oh, that made that, now, that made things a lot easier for us. Now, I just want to I just want to leave episode one with a note. Episode one is not is not that bad. I think that it gets a ton of hate because that was the movie that everyone waited for after seeing episode five and episode six. You know, I I I will I will you know I will come to the defense of episode one. Um, it it just feels like the parts of episode six that I wasn't a huge fan of, they elaborated more on, but as an adult, I actually enjoy the politics in it. And that is why episode two and three, uh, kind of give me a sour feeling. Two is definitely my, my least favorite. Well, so, or I shouldn't say least favorite. It's like, to, to episode one, like before we, we jump over, my, my closing remarks on episode one is I feel like if the, if the pod race, like the underwater, like I feel like it's a great, like you know the Clone Wars are going to happen, right? If you're a Star Wars fan, you know it's going to be warfare. So it is a bit of a cock tease that they don't extrapolate immediately on that war. But that's the thing I like about episode one is it's a great like sushi platter of mm-hmm. weird Star Wars concepts to where like if you know if you're an audience member it'll make you disappointed but you will be hyped for the sequel yeah, and yeah. it's it's a taste. Two, like, yeah they're, they're prepping you for that universe that you're about to sit through two more movies in mm. they're, they're giving you they're giving you like how how should you feel for the next two movies this is it we're setting it up it's all set up yeah yeah and that's not real. bad that's not bad yeah i agree like you know I remember as a kid enjoying episode one, but easily it was the movie I left the least satiated in. So oh. it's a great movie to re- revisit. But I remember as a kid being like, oh man, like, you know, that's not like, I, I want to like see some cooler stuff. Like episode two at least has to battle with Geonosis. Like it ends on like this dude balls to the wall insanity. Episode one, I was just like, can I keep re-watching that pod race scene on my VHS tape? And when's the next time I can go over to my friend Emma's house so I can play the N64 pod racer game? That's it. <laughs> that's all like that's all I got out of episode one. That's all I wanted. Pretty much. Come on, what what do you think? I feel like we've been leaving you out of this. That's a, yeah, I was I actually never got to even say like uh how I felt when I first saw it, but um I will say so like at least when I was I was older than you guys so you yeah. guys were all oh, like was... oh, yeah yeah when, when did this come out you're like 45 come run yeah, you're like 63 <laughs> years old there's a three there's what like a three-year difference between us yeah i'm like three years older so you bastards. that's a million years and dog years yeah whatever. yeah dude so come i was like heaven's door anyway i was like six years old i want to say when this came out you guys were probably like three or something around that yeah. time so oh, yeah, I had already yeah. seen the original trilogy and uh, I just remember seeing ran- it, it wasn't even like, Oh, I remember precisely like the order in which I watched them. No, it's just like they were either on TV or like my sisters would show me them. And like, I just like knew them and 
they were just always there. And the closest I really got to it was like the toys and some of the N64 games, I guess, which honestly all came out around the same time as episode one. It kind of all hit me at once. So it was like more of a cool little thing in the background. Once episode one hit, that's what made things go crazy because that's when I was already a first grader in school and you go to school, you're, you're, you're you're in first grade. You're probably playing pretend. And what are you and your friends playing? Look, master destroyers, and you're, yeah. you're just like fucking. I yes. was I I was five, and I got I got thrown into school early because I was right on the cusp, and it was all about it was all about Star Wars Episode One. And don't even get me started when Episode Two came out. Everyone and their mother wanted to be Jango Fett. Oh, every yeah. every costume Ooh. that year, dude, it was just like <laughs> was it was, a blue and silver was Boba Fett. Old yeah. Now you're just like Boba Fett. Who's that? This is the new. This <laughs> yeah, is the new, I, new, I, um, I I did not I I, I, I did not know. <laughs> I was just gonna say, in terms of that like merchandising thing, like George Lucas, he kind of hits a gold mine by accident with Boba Fett. Like they make this really really cool extra, right? Everyone tries to gas him up as a character, but no, the dude was an extra that just had a sick. Yeah. Damn right. So, oh my with, God. Episode two, one thing I really appreciate is he's like, well, we're going to use that extra again, but this time we're going to give him an even cooler costume because now he's got two basically six shooters on his sides and he's got a pimped out. He gets to use the rocket on his backpack, like his jetpack. Like, <laughs> and you get to see him do like more Boba Fett stuff, but like his role doesn't even really get that much more expanded. Um, like they give him a proper action scene and then they give him a death. So I, I think it's funny how like, you know, Boba Fett had this whole cultural mark, whereas in this time it's kind of reverse where they're like, we're going to let audiences know that this is an extra. That's why they like kill him off. So unceremoniously, I think George very consciously was like, I think it's like, it's, it's not that, um, He's like, it's not that serious, guys. I think with Jango Fett, he was like, look, I like Boba Fett too, but he is not, he's far from the star of this show and everyone should know this. Yeah, yeah. I will say like real fast, just regarding that, like it also, it comes to that time where everything hits at once. Like episode one, episode two come out, you get uh, pod racing and 64 games. You get like what, Shadows of the Empire. And when episode two comes out, you get a Jango Fett, bounty hunter video game if i remember correctly on like what was it like like, that a thing i think so i'm pretty sure there was a jango fett game ty if you can look that up real fast i know you you always got access i'm gonna find it i'm gonna find it for you oh yeah star wars bounty hunter damn you yeah so like (laughs) you could tell how much more he was banking on jango too than he was on like some extra that got like a freaking entire cosplay group to now basically represent him. <laughs> yeah, Pretty much. Yeah. I, I was going to say, if we're hopping off into the sort of uh, sequel prequels, um, I was just going to say it's weird because you've got this strange balance. I, I was going to say something earlier about like stuff that needed to be elaborated on more, but like you might be right that George actually, whether intentionally or inadvertently, like hit the perfect, like, you know, Anakin is the target audience age for like new kids coming into Star Wars. Like for instance, you know, all these designs being like perfect for toys, creating this universe with all these weird unanswered like lore questions that like you can easily pop off into video games or like comics or whatever. 
like that's either like the most genius thing ever or like he just stumbled into the biggest gold mine because well, he's <laughs> he's i think he's an amazing businessman and he's got a beautiful imagination but but after the original trilogy when it came to the prequels everyone everyone came up to george and was just like wide-eyed we need your next movies but he he probably didn't even care he probably just had all these amazing ideas and 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 merchandising genius or not genius depending on who you talk to and and businessman philosophy that he could care less about the storyline he's just like uh, what he should have done was he should have just hired someone to write the movies for him no, you're right, because there's a clip from the, because you know how, like, episode one, the behind the scenes for episode one is one of the most, like, well-documented I haven't watched the it scenes. in forever, but but one of the yeah. last time I did watch it, it was sad and hilarious at the same it was, time. But there's a bit in there, yeah, because it was all documented by, like, some dude running around with a camcorder, like, 24-7. Yep. And there's a bit in there where George is, like, sitting in his little writing studio, and he has, like, this giant pile of notes and he's just like all right now all i need is a script or something like that you know and yeah it it genuinely shows that like he had his ideas there for probably for a long time and he was just like i haven't stitched them together yet but i feel like i got it if i want to make this take off so i think you're exactly right like i think yeah i think the filmmaker in george died a long time ago i think it died right after episode four i i don't think he cared one bit about making a movie after episode four because you had you had THX one one three eight that he made the the short film that he made in college, which popped off kind of by accident. I don't know why because the short film is unbearably boring, but but the <laughs> film that he made right after that is is fantastic. Oh, American Greedy. No, well, I mean the the original THX one one oh, okay. is is absolutely fantastic. Not the short film. The short film makes me want to rip my balls off. But the, <laughs> but but American Graffiti after that was pretty good. He was riding off of the nostalgia train. You know, everyone in the late seventies, early eighties was just like, you know what, the nineteen fifties are where it's at. So there's going to be drag racing, greasers, diners, and don't even get me started on diners and George Lucas. We'll get to that soon. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. And then. <laughs> He decided to make Star Wars, which was a callback to all the serials of the 30s through 50s. And, and it, it wouldn't have been amazing without all of the outside help and all of the whispers and all of the help from his friends and the help from his wife, the help of Brian De Palma and them helping him in the editing process. They saved the movie and they made it amazing. So after that, I think he realized, like, I don't have it in me to direct or write a story, but I do have an insane imagination. Like, I mean, he's got that imagination where it's just like, yeah, you want a crazy ass character? Boom. There it is. (laughs) But he just doesn't know how to write a story around them. Well, if we're popping right off into into the next one let's take a look because this one's my least favorite writing wise but maybe my favorite concept wise i want to see what y'all throw out just go for it episode two so i gotta i gotta like hit some stuff bridging episode i know i gotta put this ready i'm ready the um okay so i feel like 
there's a lot of stuff in, I know that Anakin in episode one was supposed to be like target audience age for like young kids. Cause they want to imitate like a Jedi. And that's great to make a character who's that age. But I feel like the way that Anakin looks in episode two should have been the way he looked in episode one. I feel like there's yeah. so much that like, that cause the opening scene of episode two is Anakin and Obi-Wan like, you know, in that elevator together. Um, or not opening scene, but the first scene with them. And they are, you know, reminiscing about some past adventures. They're prepping for the next one. And it definitely feels like a sort of bridge into what the new story is going to be for the second movie. And that's kind of the only point where you really get that true, like, hey, we're good friends kind of vibe from them. For the most part, they kind of bicker for most of the movie. I feel like if from the get-go, like that, the, the fact that there would be like a rivalry between them would be even stronger. The fact that there'd be a friendship between them would be even stronger if they were like basically almost the same age from the get-go. Um, and Anakin, you know, is like almost Obi-Wan's age this whole time because I feel like that would make everything about them like super, super strong friendship and rivalry. Because I mean, like if, if some nearly adult dude got like picked up by your master you've trained with your entire life and is like, all right, this guy's my new apprentice. See ya. Like you'd be pissed. Like Obi-Wan would be like, what? Like I thought I was your guy. He's like, uh, no. And also if I die, you got to train him. Like, I feel like that would make so much more of an interesting dynamic between the two of them. And that like, sorry, I actually like the, the dynamic in episode two between them the most because they are closer in age but there's still an age gap it, it's kind of like dude when when you're 18 and there's a guy who's 32 like he's still a, a you know a somewhat young guy he's on the, the end of the spectrum there but he's still closer to you than he is to someone who's 60 so it's still very much like a master apprentice relationship but it's it's close enough to where like the respect based on age and experience alone isn't enough to satisfy Anakin. So I enjoy that like Obi-Wan is faced with a, a pretty hard predicament where he's like a young, unproven Jedi, or he might have been proven by the time episode two happens. And he has an a, a unconventional apprentice that has like all this unwarranted attention. So like I do enjoy like when they have like the hover car chase, how he's basically like, I, I don't know if you guys ever deal with rambunctious teenagers and stuff, but basically he's like, look, I know you can do it. Like, you know, I know you're like on top of the world, but just like, listen to me for this one sec. And they're like, whatever, old man. And they're like, look, I'm not an old man. I'm 32. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like anytime I talk to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. listen, Comron, I, 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 I fucking saw the first Star Wars movie or the episode one when i was five okay you're not that older than me I know, that's what i'm saying that's not what you're saying earlier but you're fucking old as God, shit DSC. let's be real yeah. oh my God. i have a feeling like if this is all audio based and like no one who listens to this knows what comron looks like we can just play up the comron's like a grandpa dude like, Comron's... i mean you pretty much can that's the worst part bag of dust let's be real. Oh, shit. <laughs> um... not even 30 <laughs> But yeah, I think um, with uh, episode two, like I enjoy that, especially with the, the when he goes to escort Princess Amidala. I kind of love how like Obi Wan is basically like, I know exactly 
why this guy wants to go. Like, yep. <laughs> you're not fooling anybody, but like, but please, please exercise like a pinch of discretion for my sake. Like, just for me, like, and, and <laughs> the whole adventure where they get separated and Obi-Wan has his like noir detective thing. I, I kind of really enjoy how like Anakin's in like the back of his head. And then when they end up on Geonosis in the arena, he's just like, Christ, Anakin, like the one guy, the one guy I didn't want to be in the arena with me is here with his girlfriend, <laughs> not supposed to be dating. But it, but it's like a love-hate thing because it's like, who else would I want to, to be in this situation with other than like my best friend and apprentice, you know, Anakin. So mm-hmm. like, I, I enjoy that like dramatically George Lucas had a very realistic tension between, you know, two young men of that, I guess, relationship. But at the same time, I don't think George Lucas had the screenwriting finesse to explain that to the audience. Like, I, I only interpreted that just from my life experience. And, I, and that's what made it funny to me. However, you know, average moviegoer, not everything's going to strike a chord with them. So yeah. that's why to a lot of these Redditor guys, that's why it, it doesn't ring any bells to them because they, they largely haven't experienced something like that. Where like, dude, but you're lined up on the cops on a wall and you're like, God damn it. Like <laughs> you're, you're supposed to get in trouble. And then they're like, well, you weren't supposed to get in trouble. Or it's like, well, look, we're both in trouble now. But like, <laughs> listen to me. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> that I, do, I do just wish there was more scenes of them together, considering that, yeah, like you get the early scenes, you get them, you know, foiling the uh, bounty hunter plot and then they split up for most of the movie and then reunite on Geonosis. And that's, kind of it i just i just wish there was more scenes of them together because yeah like for general audiences whether you agree with it or not it's like it's kind of tough to sometimes remember like oh yeah these guys are good bros we haven't seen them being good bros together very much but they are and it's very true like um actually because we watched it this last time was the first time i realized i didn't even realize that they're not really together much at all And then you go into three, like not even we're not moving to three yet, but like it's like the same exact thing. And the only reason I felt differently before, where I was like, "Yeah, they're together all the time." What are you talking about? Was because I watched something that wasn't even the movies. It was like the the animated TV show, The Clone Wars, was the only reason I even had that fully registered in my mind, where I was like, "Oh yeah, they're they're always together." What do you mean? I don't understand. Yeah, like, I I think that's great for the Clone Wars show to be, like, this thing that you can watch alongside the prequels, and it adds, like, all the context that I feel like the movies are missing. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. even the the Gindy show, like, the 2D animated Clone Wars is freaking great for just, like, getting a little bit more context for characters and, like, motivations and how they feel. Um, It's so weird, because I don't think that, like, the dynamic is bad. It's just, like... It just feels like there's something missing. And that's the only that's the only thing Clone Wars that I really have to go off of is aside from the movie, I did see the the 2D animated television show. Yeah. And that just goes into my argument of George Lucas having these amazing ideas for characters, but not knowing what to do with them. Because when you watch episode two and three, you've got General Grievous really really awesome character great character design awesome sound great voice actor and you really get nothing out of them in the movies 
but in that 2D animated show, that man is a scary motherfucker. <laughs> He's literally in, in that show, it makes him the most dominant like villain in the entire Star Wars universe for me personally. Like that was And like, then in the in the movies he's yeah. a fucking pushover oh. with asthma. Like, <laughs> he gets shot twice in the chest. The end. All right, cool. So like what's crazy is is I um okay, I, I feel like the reason I like the relation like sorry, the I like the prequels so much is because my my best friend growing up was like a Star Wars fanatic. So the thing I thought was interesting is we'd see the movies and I'd ask him like, well, what's up with this guy? And he'd be like, hey, I have the comic and, and he'd show it to me or it'd be like, oh, man, I wish I saw more of that. And he'd be like, oh, dude, I have this on DVD. So like every question I had, there was like a piece of fiction that satiated that to like a superb extent. So when I was like, oh, General Grievous was like a cool villain, but I can't believe Obi-Wan fucked him up. And then he was like, dude actually there's a cartoon that explains why he's like that and then you see it and you're like oh wow right i was gonna um, say yeah like that's the experience george lucas designed because basically we fell right into his trap we bought the (laughs) tip we bought the merchandise and we consumed it like that was how it was designed so i think it's disingenuous when people bash the prequels as movies when, when the prequels were the spearhead to a multimedia experience, like they were designed to be accompanied by a myriad of products, like um, Republic Commando having the opening mission on Geonosis, where you're like, this is what's going on in the background while the main armies are fighting. You're doing the dirty shit. And like, I think the best part of Rebel, like Republic Commando for me personally is your, your handler is like the CIA advisor clone and he's like, just to give you some gravitas on how important this mission is, Yoda has personally prepared some words for you. And it cuts to Master Yoda, who's in the midst of a battle. And he's like, yo, you guys can't fail this mission. And I'm, I'm telling you directly because so, you know, like the head of the clone army is like banking on your success. And then, like it cuts out from there. And then, you know, it's like, get to work, Delta. And you repel from the gunship. Like, holy <laughs> shit, dude. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, this is Star Wars, man. Like, that. And it's Ghost Recon. Like, when people are like, um, yeah, you know, like, basically, George Lucas chiseled out the mother load of gold ore. And just everyone gets to go refine their own igot from this ore. Like, I, I think that's, that's where, where my love for the prequels comes from, is like, I fell for the whole experience hook, line, and sinker. And um, I feel like everyone who fell for that same scheme, because they all enjoyed it as kids, all those guys saying they didn't like it and stuff. No, you don't like it because you're a grown ass man and it's kids movies. <laughs> well, hold, I, hold I, I on, hold on a second. That and enjoyed it. Like, <laughs> hold on one second, because you're saying that everyone who watched the prequels and they were kids liked them. Well, except for for the film critic I know. All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I I did love episode one, but that was because I was a five year old. When episode two came around and I was seven or eight and all my friends were like, this is the best shit on the planet. And when I was six, I I was watching Jaws and Terminator 2. So I was just like, this has got to be Jaws (laughs) or Terminator 2. Okay. 
<laughs> then I go to episode two and I'm bored out of my fucking skull. And so then we get to episode three and I'm an 11 year old and I'm just like, all right, dad, we got to go see this shit. I drag him to the movies. We watch episode three and I have to wait through the entire movie just so I can see Darth Vader go. No. <laughs> and, and I was just like, I don't get why people love Star Wars so much. And it only took three years later for me to watch the original trilogy and, and see what the big hubbub was about. You obviously didn't buy the Doritos that were coming out at the same time as that movie, Roman. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. Dude, my first Dorito no. was, the, was the fiery habanero Doritos, which have been discontinued because they were too badass. Oh, well, they, so. had the, they had the Doritos prizes with all the different Star Wars collectibles that you could get. That's right. You, you probably um, missed out, and that's your own, again, that's your own fault. Again, really merchandising. That's I mean, the whole, so that's actually, I will piggyback on what Miles did say there of these movies like honestly any star wars now really when you look at it like i want you guys to take a look like jango fett still wasn't like a main guy in episode two but he's still riding off of the immense popularity of boba fett yeah look at the episode two poster and look who's right in front of everybody else yeah Jango Fett. oh yeah that's and true that's how true. how hurt was i when I saw that man get his head chopped off, <laughs> I was it was, was Mace Windu who did it. Yeah, it was, it was I know it, it was, was anyone. It's like oh, okay, it's Mace Windu. It's okay. He you know. had like, you just turn up on Mace Windu. Like <laughs> although, let's be real, Mace Windu, Mace Windu, or not Mace Windu. Sorry, because Mace Windu is a fucking badass. Samuel L. Jackson kind of fucked up the whole Star Wars color coordinated <laughs> yeah. lightsaber. Did you watch the the behind the all, scenes? I want it to all be purple. Because, yeah, all because he was just like, I want it, I want uh, wait, it to wait, be purple. Wait, where can back you up purple? You but, might get one. We'll see. Someone yeah, brought up the lore. Yeah, someone brought up the lore that Mace Windu also conquered the dark side and that's why his lightsaber is purple. Well, no, he uses a like a form of fighting that like allows him to tap into like dark side power without falling to it so yeah that's like little little sauce on his also he's not the only one though there is uh for those that know the extended universe all right nope okay no (laughs) no oh come on mary jane dude mary jane uses the purple lightsaber listen okay wait is it disney is it disney extended universe no it's lucas no well disney retconned all of it oh fuck I, I, don't believe that. I don't believe that. I re, I reject the Disney canon. I That's also reject the Disney. I reject the Disney canon as well. These guys, yeah. these guys did anything, but um, except yeah. all right, this ex- isn't this isn't the we, all right. This is the Disney. Entire show we'll do that Disney. on another one. We yeah, honestly could. We are digressing. We are digressing. Yeah, like, the bottom line is that like this whole past like ten minutes has pretty much just been saying that like George is like. It, whether purposefully or inadvertently, it sounds like purposefully has like created a uh, like a series of designs and like little visual cues in the movies that like are almost intentionally made for like spinning them off. Like the fact that General Grievous, for instance, looks the way he does, conducts himself the way he does, is like instantly like every kid who saw episode three 
immediately was like, oh, like, okay, he's he clearly used to be something biological. Like, he's not always been a robot. What did he look like? I saw so many freaking sketches and drawings of, like, what people thought General Grievous looked like. It was such a big brain teaser. Like, everybody, that was the first thought. And I thought, how genius is that to, like, get everybody's brain working? And we never figure out until, like, freaking the Clone Wars TV show. Like, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, That's also, con- considering the expansion between uh, the original trilogy to the prequels, like, as a kid myself, like, I just remember, like, what did you want to do as the originals? I want to be Luke Skywalker. I want a lightsaber. I want to fight stuff. And then, like, you know, some people also liked Han and Vader, but there wasn't much else. And uh, you go into the prequels and you go, who do you want to be? Uh, let me look at this fat list of different characters of yeah. all different colors that now I can choose from. Who do I want to... Can I be Mace Windu? I could be Kieti Mundi. This man has a fucking... His head's like five feet tall. He's got a penis for a head. (laughs) could be whatever you wanted. There was so much more open... They they just opened everything. They they made it so much of a choice for you. Easily. Yeah, the... uh, uh, It's weird because that's... Again, that's like a double-edged sword because I feel like the prequels don't really have like a true... like protagonist in the traditional sense like oh no yeah i feel like if it was if it had to be anybody i would prefer that it be obi-wan which maybe sounds weird but i kind of like the idea that you get to watch all these events play out from obi-wan's point of view um just because like anakin is like kind of hard to relate to especially when it gets to like the you know the turning stuff i mean they do a pretty good job with like the stuff with his mother like that's very emotional but like so many of the anakin lines are kind of hard to see where he's coming yeah, from so that's that's pretty much what i would say is the weakest point of the movies themselves yeah. is just the dialogue specifically of like anakin because even as a kid i remember watching episode two like you know you watch movies and you have that feeling of embarrassment you have the cr- before cringe was cringe you had the embarrassment yeah. for Secondhand the character. embarrassment <laughs> yeah and i felt that every time with anakin where i was just like i can't i can't move anywhere i just have to kind of sit here and just take it take it i gotta take it with you with you, little annie but like um <laughs> before moving on to the third movie i do want to say like of all the films I mean, we're in it we're in the third movie. we're in this yeah but with <laughs> yeah. two specifically it honestly for me had the most promise but because it didn't deliver it was the most disappointing where um yeah. it did overemphasize on anakin because and like with him specifically like it was just weak dialogue and the feeling of it just you were just always like dreading it kind of until the end uh whereas like with obi-wan you wanted more you wanted more of that detective story and that chase and more of jingo fed honestly and that's what would have for me personally like made it just like oh shit this is like a fucking noir star wars didn't expect it it just it's awesome i don't know Uh, but that's That's why we got we got through the entirety of episode two without talking about the fucking diner Without talking about <laughs> without talking about real fast five minutes dedicated to dexter jetster <laughs> this is one of them old camino and darts they, i never noticed until we were watching it they actually put a fucking mustache on that <laughs> i didn't notice either until you said that. it never <laughs> registered on a mustache on mr on mr bada boom like, dude, I just think that, like, George Lucas, this guy, like, he, he almost, n- like, knew a sense of adventure 
too well. Like, I think. The yeah, guy they were just like, wait, we need to make it more relatable. Let's make this one the Jew. Let's make this one the, the fucking <laughs> Italian one. Yo, Let's yo, make yo. this one the blackface one. Let's just go for what, it. What's so tired about that is, look, bro. In all my travels, I could point out to you guys from other countries who look like those goddamn aliens, bro. Like, I know. But at the same time, at the same time, I want to watch something where it's like, wow, that's that's an alien that I haven't seen before. Not wow, that alien's totally Dylan Gray. Like, oh, bro, like, bro. It's incredibly true. That's uh, not in like, but that's the best part. The Star Wars universe is so big that Obi Wan can hit up his homie who works at a diner, a Jedi. Like comes in, and, and not only is it like I've come for information, he's like, "What up?" Like, my G, uh, give him a hug. Hear me? No so hug, pants. No it's... hugs to rando characters in the sequels. In the sequels, it's like. A college, a college like social clique. Like we only hug the hot girls here because we're all creeps. In the prequel, <laughs> in the prequel, they Obi Wan Kenobi is that G where he's like, I'm got guys on these streets who are my homies. Like I'm that good a guy. Like random guy hits up, gives him a hug on screen. I care about my guy, even though he's got two seconds of screen time. Listen, I, I, all <laughs> I'm saying, filled out in years, like <laughs> all I'm saying is George Lucas has all of these big ideas for characters and and this universe, but at the same time, it feels like so creatively bankrupt that it's like you've got this franchise of of that you could do anything with it. You can do absolutely anything. The sky is the limit. Fucking space is the limit. The black hole is the limit. And what do you do? You put, you just put a random, just a normal 1950s diner. You put a Disney hotel in it. You put a detective noir club scene. Hey, that part's cool. Hey, buddy, you want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> you want to buy some? De- you put cigarettes in it. I like- do love that on the on the screen in that bar is like alien robot fo- football next to pod racing, <laughs> oh, and you're yeah. like, hey, remember pod racing God, from the last it. movie? Yeah. You're kidding me. They had fucking yeah. Star Wars football. Did you not watch see all that? the watch there's yeah. like four screens with four different things going on. It's basically well, that's a sports just, bar. That just slams my point right into the ground. <laughs> it's just that there it is. That, it, that well, it, you, well, you didn't like that. I thought it was awesome. I, I, uh, I also <laughs> I actually enjoyed that vastly. I, Listen, even now, it's like, tight for I Blade really, Runner, it's not tight for Star Wars. I thought it's weird because yeah. we had this conversation during like two of the movies that it feels like there's all these interesting ideas where you could like set other genres of movie in the Star Wars universe and it would like enhance it. Like I would love to see, like again, there was going to be freaking Star Wars 1313, mm. the, you know, the sort of and underground, the yeah. other freaking live action TV show. Yeah, well, and, and 1313 was going to be this very like, it kind of a little bit like what freaking Cyberpunk 2077 is like trying to be today, but just in the Star Wars universe. And I was like, that sounds wicked. Like it's, that sounds awesome. It's and- just surprising to me that the Star Wars universe, Earth isn't a thing because so much about the Star that Wars universe just reminds me of boring old Earth. It's I think weird. they didn't go far enough in yeah. doing that. Like, like if I was oh. George Lucas when Obi Wan <laughs> went to go to the club, 
And he's like, you want to buy some death sticks? Obi-Wan should have been like, yeah, I'll take two and give one to Anakin and they just smoke up while they're looking for this guy. Just and be like, don't to- tell Yoda we're fucking That's how chugging kids start one. smoking. That's how I would have started smoking. I'd be like, well, that's it's, it's Obi-Wan. You would be like, yo, this world is off the rockers. And then also it'd make Obi-Wan look cooler. Like, look, Anakin, <laughs> also, you ain't the normal apprentice, so let's smoke one. Or like, Don't, even, don't even fucking get me... Uh, Sorry, one thing. When he went to the diner, he should have ordered some food, and there should have been, like, space wings. Yeah, it should have been like, yo, can I get some fucking space spaghetti from the yeah, space right? Italian with his space mustache? So <laughs> Dude, six space apron. Like, it, he was wearing normal fucking clothes. He was wearing a dirty, greasy T-shirt. And and like there's no there's no like weird space apron you could wear. You know, the service industry like, looks boring as shit in the in in Star Wars. He was violating how many health code violations? Do you think? I'm I'm always curious. Hard to get him mad, but it's like yo, if if George Lucas did give your boy a space apron, everyone would be like, oh my god, this restaurant was so over the top, like. Dude, but but that's the being haters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you I'm oh, freaking out right now. That's Dude, that's like, I, f- I feel like now now we're well so we are defending George Lucas for his for his creative like for for uh man, I don't know that's how that's what I can... I'm saying. It's like I split between either like yeah. defending him for his like creative genius and and like, then tearing and... him apart for for having no he creativity whatsoever he sends out the he sends out the creativity without refining it there's no one to basically like sharpen it it's weird though because sometimes the creativity is like extremely refined and the writing isn't up to par and then it swaps and like there's a scene that's like incredibly well written and the like there's just something freaking weird visually going on (laughs) it's a very mixed bag so here here's another thing from from episode two uh yoda can we fucking talk about yoda we got to talk about. I okay, on oh, the fight, are we talking about the about fight? No, yeah. Now, oh, here's here's yes. my deal. I I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to talk about certain points of of Yoda because I'm sure anyone listening to us bitch about Star Wars has already seen the Mr. Plinkett reviews. Yeah, um, watch the people versus yeah, George yeah, yeah, Lucas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people versus George Lucas. I know Graham and I had a blast watching all that shit in college. But my biggest deal with yoda and this is i i i thought this shit when i was when i was a kid watching it in the theater i was like yoda is this ball of force energy i mean he is the force if sidious is the sith and and he is the dark side and he is pure evil yoda is pure good okay now when yoda goes up against dooku who was played by the great christopher lee who is my man yeah wonderful and they go at it with their force powers and Christopher Lee's just shooting lightning at them and Yoda's just sucking it up because, I mean, that's what you do when you're just... <laughs> that was man. cool that we'd never yeah, seen that before. That's tight. And then he's just like, well, it seems like your force powers are matched with mine. <laughs> Looks like we need to uh, duel it out with lightsabers. It's just like, no, Yoda, don't duel it out with lightsabers. Just crush his fucking head with your force powers. You no, your your powers are not matched. You are you are the force, you little green shit. Like <laughs> fucking Christopher Lee ain't got shit on you, man. I, and I, they decide to do this 
fucking lightsaber battle, which Yoda has no business messing with the lightsaber because the lightsaber is, is just a weapon. It has nothing to do with the force. It really doesn't. I mean, that's literally what he says in the original trilogy. I, I got to say like tiny interjection, but yeah, it feels a little bit like George for, for all of the the good concepts that he had. Like, again, there's stuff like that where it feels like he kind of forgot what was like already said in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. like how, you know, Yoda, actually gets on to Luke for thinking that all to Jedi's is like their weapon. Um, and, and not only that, something, a detail that I noticed and didn't really think about until like this most recent rewatch is Yoda in the prequels does the whole, like, you know, the way he speaks, the backwards speaking thing, like almost every sentence in the original trilogy, he really didn't do it that much. People forget that. Like he speaks normally like half the time. He only says like every other line backwards, but he says lots of like just normal phrases just in a fronty Frank Oz voice. You yeah, know? and that's just kooky Frank Oz being Frank Oz. Yeah, but in the prequels, it's almost like it's like George kind of thought, you know, well, all people know of Yoda in popular culture is the whole backwards speaking thing. So he does it for like every sentence and some yeah. sound really awkward. And I'm like, nah, he really didn't. I, if you go back and watch the original trilogy, he only did it every once in a while, like when it was really funny or like a sentence that worked really well but he said a lot of stuff just normal i i always thought his backwards speaking thing wasn't because he was like a weird alien that lived in the swamp i always thought it was his him him pretending to be a senile old man exactly he speaks forward more often after he reveals to luke who he really is yeah i i always thought it was an act Although I didn't realize that until I saw the original trilogy. I, I, I legitimately grew up thinking Yoda is just this badass, weird-speaking, lightsaber-throwing dude. <laughs> dude, yeah. Miles, what you got? I, I thought Master Yoda was, well, from my experience, like, Master Yoda is an authority figure that you always give him the benefit of the doubt. And then very clearly throughout the movies – He's like straight up wrong. Like, I, I think one thing re-watching the prequels, I think has actually done quite well, is no one takes the Sith seriously, not even Yoda, until the Sith win. Because like, if you look at Yoda when he fights with Dooku, uh, he, he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, let me school this kid. This kid wanted to take a lightsaber out to me. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll show you a thing or two with the lightsaber. So they have like a scrap and Dooku gets away. And very much it's like, Anakin got his arm chopped off and you fought with the guy and let him get away. Like, um, like no one, no one, I think that's what makes Anakin's frustration a little more sincere in the third movie. Cause Anakin's like, yo, I'll kill these guys. Just show me where they are. I, you, you'll bring peace to the galaxy. I'll, I'll wipe them off the face of the earth. But they're like, no dude, that's not the Jedi way. You gotta chill out, man. <laughs> hey, man. Okay. My, my argument though, is it shouldn't have even gotten to that point. Like I, I know, I know there has to be, there has to be a reason why Anakin goes to the dark side, but I feel like there could have been a better route for him or there could have been a better route storytelling wise Yo, or that you know, character to go without making the Jedi look like a bunch of fucking, you know, idiots. what should have been Dooku. What? Okay. So I was thinking about this on most recent rewatch. That scene where Dooku has Obi-Wan in the little like freaking 
energy beams where he's like held up in a big X position and he's just sort of floating there and he's lecturing. So when during that scene specifically, Dooku, the way that he talks doesn't sound like a Jedi or a Sith. It sounds like a like a gray Jedi. It's like which a is guy more, that taught Qui-Gon. Yeah, he well it's weird because he he's talking about like literally like okay, leave behind the ideologies of the Jedi and the Sith and like come just be free, you know, with the power of the force to guide you. And like he says something to that extent. And it's weird that eventually it's like, oh no, he's in service of, you know, Sidious. It, it, I, I wish that that concept was pushed super far to the point where like both the Jedi and the Sith look like complete idiots, like wasting their time having this, like he, he literally says like the black and white dogma of, you know, the Jedi and Sith. I wish Dooku was the dude who got to have that conversation with Anakin. That would make so much more sense. And, it, and if he wasn't like a straight up villain, if he still got into those scraps, but like he had a legitimate point, like the Separatists, like, cause he's the, the leader of the Separatists as well as, you know, a pawn for, for Sidious. But I wish he wasn't a pawn for Sidious. I wish he was just like the villain of the second movie. And he was like the stepping stone to have that conversation with Anakin and be like, and even the audience could be like, oh, dang, he's right. Like, the Jedi suck. Look at how inept they are. And oh, look, the Sith suck because they're just straight evil and can't see anything, you know, other than power. That would have been a wicked conversation and it'd be so much more relatable. Like, dang. Alas, we are not screenwriters. Yeah. We no. Just, we just work here. <laughs> also, <laughs> quick pause. I'm getting feedback in the left ear of my, my headphones. Anyone else getting that? No, no I'm not. I'm good. Shit. Where is that coming from? Oh, it's gone now. <laughs> All right. Sorry, um, just making sure. No worries. I think, uh, I guess, drifting on into the third one. Yeah. Um, one thing I love about the third movie is out of all the prequels, I think it's the most watchable by itself. Um, yeah. And I think like one of the, besides episode four, I think it's the best standalone Star Wars movie. In terms of like, if, if you wanted to just show one somebody one Star Wars movie, like they don't get to watch the sequels, I'd actually show them either episode, yeah, episode three, or or maybe you could make a decent case for episode five, just because it's such a good movie. But yeah, like, in general, but um, yeah, episode three is a, is a really good standalone action sci-fi action flick. And I think George Lucas comes into his stride with that one because, like, it, it doesn't linger on the bad parts despite having them as much as it does in the in the prequel, other prequels. And um, the high parts of Episode Three are like, I think they're they're like really fun, cinematic, iconic moments. Like, I was just thinking, like, where on earth in sci-fi cinema do you get an Order sixty six? Like hey, you get but, a scene where all the heroes get wiped out. I mean, like, that's much. that's cool and everything, but at the same time, like my, I don't know, my brain does this thing whenever you're watching something that it, it feels very uncanny valley. It almost feels like, it almost feels like watching Avatar nowadays. It it just everything that I'm watching on the screen, even how cool order 66 is and just all the Jedi getting wiped out by a bunch of clones. It still doesn't look right. It still just does not look right to me. So it makes those scenes very hard for me to watch. Same thing with like 
Yoda, Yoda chopping those two dudes' heads off whenever Order sixty six happens. Oh, like yeah. all every clone trooper just looks terrible. Miles, you had a point that I thought was a pretty good explanation for this. Um, as as far as like why, for instance, like all the clone troopers' faces have to be like CG versus just using the actor. And, and and this also like ties into why is it that like George Lucas is always like redoing stuff in the you know original trilogy? It, it seems like he has this need to feel like he he's got to be up to date on technology. Like he's got to be like with the times. And ironically, with like the clones, for instance, all having CG faces, like that was pretty progressive for the time. Using like you know uh, facial animation like in CG on that level, like that's pretty good for what it was worth but yeah it, it feels like he's at that point he abandoned the practical and started looking towards like the future of like what can technology do but that also explains things like why the heck did he feel like in the special editions to redo the max rebo band it's like that's that's inconsequential but it's because he was like ah this is my chance to experiment with new technology and that's this funky. is the scene i'm gonna do it yeah <laughs> first of all every 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 release even since since the very first star wars film george lucas has has this weird obsession with going back and re-editing it when when the first star wars film came out on that very first day of of people lining up to go see star wars after that very first day the next time they went to go see that movie it was already different George Lucas had been re-editing his films since day one. Same thing with THX. The guy's got a weird, sick obsession with like not letting things go. And I think he's kind of lost the point of some moments. Like, good example. I didn't know about this until I was researching for this. Do you all know about the infamous Luke screaming edit that he made very briefly? So the 1997 special editions? I do not know. what. Which part was this? Okay, so this is something that only ever made it into the th- the theatrical re-release. Is this Empire and... Strikes Back when he falls through the... Yes, okay. So what happened was this was on the 1997 theatrical special edition that like showed in theaters again, as well as some VHS copies of that special edition. And then I don't think it made it to any other format. Hmm. But it's the scene in Empire Strikes Back where Luke got his hand cut off and he and Vader tells him to join him. And Luke drops off of that spire, you know, yeah. essentially committing suicide rather than join Vader. Well, George Lucas added an edit where <laughs> that happens. And then as Luke is falling, he put in an 80-yard scream, not by Mark Hamill, by somebody, where Luke just goes, yeah! Like, oh, sorry, that clipped so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I could hear that for, oh my God. But yeah. yeah! No. But, but why? why? The, the whole thing is that he's letting go. He's killing himself. He's committing harakiri. He, the, everything that George Lucas is ripping it, off is right there. Every samurai film, you never hear a samurai while he's ripping his own guts out go yeah yeah come on when i when i clip real bad you should just put in the actual audio <laughs> uh, yeah no I'll, I'll try i'll do my best it's yeah, like um i will say like as a kid going through i remember being so confused by like uh one minute i'd be watching the movie and he doesn't like luke doesn't say anything and then like i watch it again i don't even remember how i got them it might have been vhs recordings or it was just on tv like i said or i did have it maybe on like vhs or dvd or something but like i remember i'd watch it one time and like luke just falls watch it again and he like screams and i'm just kind of like 
it's that happened last time and at the same time too it'd be like earlier it'd be like watching and i see like the the hand for the wampa and that's it and then i watch it again and the wampa is in there and i'm just like i have a really bad memory of this movie and it's just like no it just keeps getting edited around you and you don't realize it because you're a kid and i'm just like and when it goes to show that like it's just sort of weird because that happened and people saw it in theaters and there was a lot of public outcry for like you kind of ruined the tone of that scene like it's almost funny now and so he removed it and it only ever made it to like you know a, a very very short period of release so there's like that, a couple copies that's why but... whenever the the not the museum of modern art uh congress why what do you yeah the smithsonian uh, yeah no no yeah. not the smithsonian but the library of congress okay they, they want to li- copy star wars the library of congress they pick a select bit of films that are just like listen you send us your film we you you're, you have been honored with this the your film is considered culturally relevant to the world we are going to keep a copy of it in our vault and it will be and it will be taken care of and it will be treated properly and it will survive generations and generations and generations for a thousand years. It will be in our vault to educate future generations of cinema goers. George Lucas, send us the original 35 millimeter releases of Star Wars. And you know what George said? Nope. <laughs> nope. That's not my, that's not my vision. Yeah. Also part of my original question. Miles, you See, had, I, I know you had something to say. Yeah. A huge bog pill. You guys about to get educated. Uh-oh. This guy is <laughs> a true artur. Like a true artur. Like I can't believe how like sincere a guy can get with his revisions where he's like, you know what? I'm unsatisfied and I have to pursue a definition of my concept that I feel is perfect. And to care that much about your audiences is an amazing thing because other artists do that in different ways. Like Cezanne, the card, the card players, there's more than one version of that painting. That doesn't invalidate the other paintings. He just wanted to be like, you know what? Let me try again with this concept and see if I can get it better. There's people who could get mad about that. But, you know, admittedly, I do think Lucas went wrong with trying to erase other editions. I mm-hmm. think he should kept each edition like this is the original one this is this one of these edits or these edits yeah like see how far we've come yeah like, like I, I wouldn't mind yeah. if um like gundam actually did it and here's where i want to slap gundam fans across the face when they talk about this but they got the original writer and the original illustrator to remake the entire gundam original story in with their modern sensibilities so like Tamina's able to write the story in a more like conducive, logical, and easier fashion. And the artist, using his decades of experience since 1979, is able to craft the most beautiful version of that story. And like it's it's a good story. So you know, not not much has to change. But why not give yourself like a burnished, polished version of it? But so, like, I, I don't think, think that George Lucas is giving a if is giving two shits about the fans i think he's only thinking about himself it's like if you drew something if you drew the, the most amazing piece that you could at the time and and everyone loved it and they were just like miles i want a print of that i want a poster of that on my wall i want blah 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 and i want blah 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 and then later down the lines you deleted every copy of it and redid it to make yourself feel better but everyone likes the older version more and they're just like listen 
we like your new copy, but can we still have some copies of the old one? You just go, no, that wasn't, that wasn't what I, like hypocrisy is an aristocratic trait. I think the fact that he is like so hypocritical and selfish with it goes to show how sincere the act is because I clearly it's a big piece of personal tension for him to have that relationship with it. Um, like I, in comparison to like Ridley Scott, like Ridley Scott, I think is like an incredibly petty director to where he, he's willing to like basically ruin everyone's experience with a franchise just so he doesn't let other creators have a shot at it. Like he crashed alien just because he was scared that people might like other alien films more than his, despite his being like the clear masterpiece of it. He was, I think, insecure. That's why Covenant came about. Well, I'm, like, glad, I'm glad that we agree that Ridley Scott is a fuckhead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, that's why I can't stand movie-going Redditors, is like they worship the most fraudulent directors and then the most sincere ones they actually hate. Like That's why people like James Cameron and George Lucas and shit, they, like, they roast on a spit like they're these evil directors, despite them being like, some of the most consumer friendly directors out there. I'm but, I'm um, not I'm not even a big fan. I'm I'm not even a big James Cameron fan and I'm not and I'm not a big George Lucas fan, but they both haven't made enough films for me to even have an opinion on them. Like they they haven't made a lot when you compare them to other directors. No, George Lucas is um yeah, George Lucas hasn't made shit outside no, of Star Wars. He's only made like like a, he's directed six films. Red Tails. He was a producer. He was an executive Again, producer. That just means been, he gave them money. He's been an executive producer on twenty nine films. He got a lot of money and a, and a writer and director on like only six or seven. Like, and it's weird because again, George Lucas, I think, gets a lot of credit for it's like being the ideas man but not necessarily the dude who follows through because i saw that for like writing credits he's got tons where he either like co-wrote something with somebody or was was listed as the creator but somebody else is listed as the writer both for like novels like he he it's weird like he worked on a, a trilogy of novels for like the extended universe for the the movie willow with a guy oh where my he's, god willow like, yeah w- weird it's uh, the shadow trilogy they're making a sequel willow. to that movie you know uh, oh, yeah and, and it's weird because he he co-wrote the first novel with uh with another writer and they had like basically 50 50 credit and then the next two george was just sort of listed as like you know the he's listed as a creator but not as a writer and it's kind of funny that like yeah it seems as though he's creating all these frameworks for stories like the clone wars cartoon he's listed as the creator but he's not really got writing credits on anything so it's like he's making these frameworks and he's you know uh handing them off to other people but when it comes to like the nitty-gritty of like okay he's literally when has he written something to completion and directed it to completion it's only yeah like six times Mm. I um I, I gotta say with like we've had a big digression from episode that three. Is very much true. Sorry, yeah. sorry, that, that, that's that's probably I mean, my was, fault. When I get pissed, no, I go no, off. It's, it's really fun because I think it's it's correct because one thing I'll say about episode three is I feel like episode three is like the only Star Wars film that I think George Lucas wouldn't change anything about if he was given the chance. Probably. I feel like episode three is like the most like 
I, I feel like if you asked him which one of your Star Wars films is your favorite, I feel like he would say three. And I think a lot of things in episode three show because um, I think the most attention to how the characters are designed, and this is going across all of the Star Wars movies that he was involved in, the, the originals and the prequels. I think episode three has the most like attention to detail in ships, characters, environments, even story beats. I think because I think the originals are a lot of happy accidents. Like filmmaking was just different than it is when the prequels came out. So I don't think episode five could have been made today with modern sensibilities. Um, so yeah, with episode three, I think what really struck out to me is like, even though the battle scenes are like so chaotic in comparison to the originals and even the other prequels, I think they're the, still the most meticulously designed. Like the invasion of Utapau where they have that vertical city. Like if you look in the background, the soldiers are repelling, there's battlefield medics. Like there's very much someone being like, these guys have to be doing this. These guys have to be doing that. I think it would be cool if they're doing this. And like, you see George Lucas's touch on everything, like his touch, not like another director's, not like someone's suggestion. Um, so yeah, in, in a way, I think that's his like definitive film. Um, what do you guys think in, in terms of that, rather? That's at the end of my point. I mean, um, I, I would say real fast, like for Revenge of the Sith, I feel like uh, of people that generally may not like the prequels, you'll find that most people have a soft spot for Revenge of the Sith, or they yeah. say it's the strongest of the three. Mm -hmm. uh, like if people, you ask people, they'll be like, <laughs> oh, which movies do you like? They'll be like, oh, the original trilogy and like maybe Revenge of the Sith or something. Mm. Uh, besides Roman, besides Roman. <laughs> okay. I, when I pick a movie out of the prequels, I say episode one. I know that I'm in the minority here when that happens, but that, that film, when Miles was talking about, listen, you got to show them one movie out of each little era. You know, if I'm going to show someone a, a film from the original series, I'm going to show them episode four because it's going to launch it off for them and they're going to want to watch more. I would show them episode one because it really is the only one that can stand on its own. All right. I think. I feel like, I feel like we're all at least in agreement that episode two writing wise feels like the weakest um i i think only because like what it, uh, yeah <laughs> I, feel like, I think it's only because of anakin's lines in all honesty it's funny to compare like what are anakin's worst lines in episode two versus like jar jar's worst like we didn't even talk about jar jar we don't need to talk well, about jar jar's jar. not okay everyone gives jar jar a ton of shit but god damn it he's not that bad it's funny, well, Miles. Miles was saying like we watched it, and Miles goes, yeah, "What are y'all smoking? This is funny." <laughs> yeah, Jar Jar, Jar Jar, dead serious. He's fucking hilarious until the fart jokes start happening. Oh, Piusa. Okay? Yes, that that's what I'm getting at. And and I never had a problem with Watto until rewatching. I love Watto. Yeah, Watto is great. Watto the best character. Comron, you're the only one that is allowed to love Watto. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. a good time. Jedi uh, mind tricks. <laughs> money. Sometimes a stereotype can be so mean, it's kind of flattering that someone knows you that well. Like, speaking of Gonzalez, Mexicans love him because 
the guy's Mexican. Sorry, guys. Speedy Gonzalez is a Mexican character. They hit the nail on the head. What a... <laughs> it's so ridiculous, isn't there? Like, bro, if you show a Jamaican Jar Jar Binks, they're going to start laughing. Oh, I mean, it's like not even mentioning okay. fucking Newt Gunray. I'm just like, this is impossible. Not the, I, two of them. Yo, bro, like, funny, dog. You, know, you knew like, this would happen, Ty. I even think... like how like Chewbacca is like this quiet, kind of stoic, funny character that humors Han, right? Like, I like, I like Chewbacca. I think I love how like, yo, George Lucas was like, bro, I'm gonna give a character that like. Is basically a tour guide for children. Like, if you're a toddler, Jar Jar Binks narrates the film to the youngest audience members. Like, he gives them all the cues in that in that movie. It's it's a shame that he's not in two or three because they could have actually had him change into a serious character where he's just like, bro. I wish he was like Anakin. Like, you's a fucked up. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's well, there just to move the plot forward. Yeah, Misa, think we give our emergency power to the chancellor. Well, there's well, that funny really... shot at the start of episode two when Anakin and Padme reunite where everybody loves to reference it, where, where Jar Jar looks at the camera and smiles, which everybody kind of signifies as George's little, like, you know, screw you to the audience. I put him back. <laughs> like... <laughs> Epic. Epic. So, Stick it to him, George. Well, so, <laughs> Miles, you were bringing up Chewbacca and how he was there for Han, and he was like Han's blah, blah, blah. Um, I bring up, so I, I, I work for a, a nonprofit called Camp Hollywood and I, I basically like a counselor or, or a mentor for like these kids who want to make movies and my opening almost every year, because one of them always brings up star Wars being like their favorite shit. And like, it's just, it's their life. Yeah. Well, because they're all I listen, I want to be George Lucas and I've got a vision and it's uncompromising and we have to make my movie, blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, you like Chewbacca? They're like, yeah, I love Chewbacca. I love Han Solo. And, love the, and I'm just like, did you know that George Lucas's idea for Chewbacca was to be a big, tall, green alien? No. And he was like, yeah, and he was supposed to be the fast talker. He was supposed to be the comedic relief. But then someone said, hey, George, that doesn't really sound like a great idea. Let's basically make him a dog that walks on his back legs and, you know, he kicks ass. All right. And so that basically teaches the kids, that little anecdote teaches the kids like, listen, you're part of a team making a movie is not a one man show. Mm. So you got to work together. You got to make compromises. And most of the time it always ends up with a better film. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm reminded yeah, if had a good crew with them, that would have probably, we would have had a better set of prequels potentially. Yeah. I, I would just say um, to, to that kid, I'd be like, look, bro, George Lucas weren't the hot shit when he made the originals, but once he made his money, for real, it can be a one-man show, and there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, listen, kid. Wait to pump out three really kick-ass films, then you can be an asshole. All yeah, right, it's like fucking like, going crazy, and they have to watch it no matter what. <laughs> Buy as many friends as you want. That's what I'm saying. Is like, screwed. I'm making my movie today. Like, it's, it's George Lucas o'clock. You guys want the other people's Star Wars? Watch the originals. These are my Star Wars, and like. It's, it's yes. dumb. like yeah like i think it's a lot of wasted potential 
But um, it's it's the same way how it's like I wouldn't expect, like I wouldn't expect say Michelangelo to Sistine Chapel, like to someone to whisper in his ear, like yeah, I don't think God should be posed like that. He'd be like, shut up! It's my it's my ceiling. Like go away, like dude, who asked you? Like, excuse and, um, me, Mr. Angelo, did there have to be this many nipples in your painting for the Sistine Chapel? Yeah, like, you <laughs> a know, couple really, covered up. That, that stuff <laughs> was going on here. So, like, um, I, I see how, where, where, you know, going back to, like, my first thing, where it's, like, I like the prequels for being, like, this completely sincere visual sketchbook. Like, they, they basically bothered George Lucas into being, like, what's all your ideas? What's all your ideas? So, where he was, like, fuck it. I'm going to give you Oh my ideas. Like <laughs> you guys act for the like they wanted the unlimited soda, fountain soda. He gave them the big chug and they realized they don't like drinking that much soda. Like everyone <laughs> I, have the, I have fucking cavities. <laughs> I mean you're, you're right though, because just like I was saying, like every movie starts off with like an action sequence, which is like so different than you know what we're used to with Star Wars, where it's all about like building locations and characters and motivations. Something and, and yeah, the prequels is like bam, like first scene action. And uh yeah, it definitely feels like um, it, it's just giving you what you want. It's like you're here for space fights. It's called Star Wars. Here you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> And uh, I mean, it's weird because on the one hand, you can argue that that's like bad writing. On the other hand, you can be like, that's just giving the people what they want. So, But it ain't no Star Crash. Yeah, dude, Star Crash offended me, bro. <laughs> I can't believe guys did this. Or like, listen, oh Star God. Star Crash. I listen, Star Crash is terrible, but it did make a ton of money ripping off Star Wars, and I think that was the point. Miles, if if there were any films that I would recommend to you, there are two films that Roger Corman tried to rip off. Uh, 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 he tried to rip off Alien so hard that he basically (laughs) gave he basically gave his studio two chances he's like you gotta rip off Alien or or you ain't getting paid and and James Cameron and Bill Paxton were both set dressers on both these films so they knew Um, Galaxy of Terror like they were like all right, we're gonna rip off Alien and he was like "Eh, try again (laughs) <laughs> and the next one was Forbidden World. Whoa. That's you, you gotta watch both of those movies if you want to see some kick-ass ripoffs. Because in the end, they both ended up being kind of like Alien and just good movies. Okay, so you don't now, have to un- drink during them. Yeah. No, you don't have to drink during them. During f- no, yeah, you don't have to drink during them. Star <laughs> Crash, Star <laughs> Crash, you need at least 12 beers. Oh shit, okay. But but Forbidden World and Galaxy of Terror, that's how you rip off. That's how you rip off a movie. Star Crash is not the way to do it, even though I find a ton of enjoyment out of it. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, do we have anything else to talk about episode three? I feel like this is like points. Points. I, I have, um, I've got a, a lot of little things I want to talk about. We could insert like closing yeah. points or we could just keep going. Like, okay, we, we can always edit these things. And if someone's listening, you can always stop listening and come back later. Oh, no, like, I'm going to keep most of the, pretty much all of this in. I'm telling you right now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, all right, good. 
Straight up, episode three, I friggin' love the battle sequences and, like, the, how they contextualize how the different clones act. Like, they, they have, like, the power trooper division, and they actually do, like, an airborne assault, which is, like, really cool. Um, they have jungle troopers, or, and they fight in a jungle. And um, even the little snippets where you see, like, troopers fighting in, like, uh, these, like, frostbitten alpine areas to, like, these urban mega cities, and, like, um, even down to, like, where the pilots shoot down Plo Koon, or I can't remember that guy's name. There's Plo Koon, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they have, like, they show you the pilot clones, even though you have seen them again, but, like, I, I think it's neat how they show you all these different theaters of war, and it, even though the movie's not about the clones, they give you the backdrop of the Clone Wars so well to the audience, and I don't think a lot of movies put that amount of detail, like, the the sequels certainly don't. The sequels, they show you, like, what, like, three types of guys? Like the, Okay, when the, we say the sequels, we're not talking about the original trilogy. We're talking no, about, we're talking oh, no, about okay. the sequel. Is, we call it original, prequel, and sequel. That's how okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's, I, I was getting salty for a second. <laughs> what, what angers me the most with a lot of the prequel slander is people will try and slander the prequels in order to make the, the Disney sequels seem like less offensive movies. And... I think it's it's like when you watch episode three, like George Lucas tried his best in that movie to make up for all the shortcomings of the previous films. Like there's more battle sequences, there's crazier locales, they spend less time talking. Um, one thing I, I even like is like I always kind of call the prequels are kind of like Kurosawa movie children, where they they have concepts that are pretty high route. For especially for something coming out of Star Wars, like, dude, you have a, a guy who becomes so disillusioned with his government, he becomes a war criminal and then an essential participant in the next regime. How do you explain that to a kid? But episode three does it like very clearly. It's not graphic. It doesn't go for shock value, but it's a it's a really good arc, I think. And um, well, one thing. So speaking of Kurosawa. The only film watching, I don't know, watching, this is going to be hard to say, watching all of the Star Wars films, the only one that really feels like a genuine Kurosawa film is episode four. Not only because it takes a ton of inspiration from Akira Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress, but because it's very simple. And Kurosawa yeah. films have always been simple. I think it's most complex one is probably Throne of Blood, which is just Macbeth. The simplest of simple. Well, I think that's uh, like Miles was saying, when we watch the movies, it, it's weird because the, the prequels, uh, like they are complex in that they have like all of these different inspirations where you can clearly see like the, the, the seams. Uh. Sorry, there you go. big yawn. Big yawn. But yeah, you can clearly see the seams like between the different like parts of bits of inspiration. Where like, for instance, the uh, in episode two, Anakin riding off to uh, you know find out where his mother was taken on the speeder bike is like we were saying. You could easily just replace that with like some cowboy music, and he's on a horse, and he's getting information from like traders in the desert. You know, <laughs> and like that's what it feels like. And then just right after that, it's like, oh, gladiator scene. This is now a gladiator yeah. film. It, it, it goes between these different, like, you know, uh, 
like film uh you know genres so quickly and it, and it cuts so hard between it yeah like the stuff with obi-wan investigating the the clone army is like a noir movie it, it's kind of bizarre like it it it's some it's hard to digest but it also yeah like miles was saying it feels like it's almost too highbrow for the audience it's aiming for like one, one thing i was telling people is one thing that's kind of ironic is i'm reading a, a book on the fall of western civilization or like at least it's descent to decadence as we have it now and a lot of the aristocratic um, proclivities of Florence or a lot of the ambitions rulers had during these, these eras of the Renaissance to which George is trying to mirror, you actually see a lot of it in the prequels. Like, um, I, I really love the scene where I, I think it's funny how, like, lowbrow audiences, when Palpatine looks at young Anakin and he's like, oh, we're watching your career with great interest, right? They're all like, oh, my God, it's so weird. Like, because they're all morons. Whereas, you know, when I saw that, he's like, oh, boy, a retainer. Like, that kid's going to make an excellent retainer for my house. Like, I'll get make sure he, like, in fact, it's such a deal that the Jedi Temple is going to educate him as a knight. So I'm basically getting a retainer that's trained by the highest echelon of warrior that, that people thought like that back in the day and people died younger. So I'm sure the star Wars universe is a very dangerous place. So yeah, like, they really, they really hammer that shit in though. Like when they're at the space opera. Yeah. yeah. Like, but, but it, it feels very, I mean like Brian De Palma did that in the untouchables, like fucking it. I don't know. It just feels like, Put space in front of a word, and it's in Star Wars. Space opera. Space gangsters. Space mob. <laughs> space diner. Space diner. <laughs> space samurai. Space Akira Kurosawa. Pretty much. <laughs> space Nietzsche. And I, I, I agree with that sentiment, though, Miles, definitely. Yeah. A space western scene. Yeah. So yeah, mm, let's make space lone wolf and cub and call it the Mandalorian. God damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's where I think the Mandalorian it it try like that's where I don't think it succeeds where Lucas succeeds because like Lucas because it's originally his vision, he could go to more genuine spots. Like one thing I love about the Anakin and Obi-Wan fight at the end is like it is a climactic samurai duel. And then the other thing too is there's a very cool Christian backlog to these, to these movies. And I love how Anik, the battle for Anakin's soul at the end of episode three takes place in figurative hell. Like Obi-Wan goes to hell to save this guy and realizes that because treachery is the worst sin and the lowest form of sinner to where he's unsavable because he's, he's a traitor. So, 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 Obi-Wan lets his friend burn to death in hell. Like, that is an incredible story arc. But no one knows what Dante's Inferno is. He does, but the audience doesn't know. So they're like, oh, I guess, you know, that's how he became Darth Vader. So, like, (laughs) they think it's insane how, like, George Lucas is this, like, spectacularly educated and referenced man. And he just got put in a situation where he didn't know how to translate his, I guess, line of thought to mid-brow, low-brow audiences. Like, and one thing I find kind of ironic is like, this, this might be another factor where, where it goes to why I love the, the prequels. 
like my dad always used to take me to modern art museums. He was a very much a culture aficionado. Like he would take me to operas as a boy just to like show me what like high culture was as well as like he'd buy me halo novels because he knew that like low culture is fun too. So like, cause you have that range, you can enjoy more things high and low. So when, when we were talking about star Wars, he was like, dude, I was the only guy in Bermuda that hated the originals. I saw those movies and was like, Star Trek's way better, dude. I don't really care. What? Everyone was, everyone was like, how can you say that? Like, like people are freaking oh out. Oh my God. Miles then, is after my own heart. <laughs> so we, we, go to, we go to watch the prequels and everyone's like, oh, the prequels sucked. And my pops shockingly is like, oh, I quite like those films. Like, <laughs> I, like those were my type of Star Wars films. If they were all like that, I would watch them. So I used to think, be like, dude, you're crazy. Like, I was just like, my dad's just crazy. But now I'm like, dude, those movies are like weirdly, they, they're, like I say, they're polished turds. They're like the most highbrow, lowbrow content you can find on the market. Like, well, I don't why, know if it's by chance or design. I think, I think the original, or I think the prequel trilogy would have worked better as a Game of Thrones styled television show. Oh, for real? Like, yeah, yeah you get you get three episodes of just juicy gossip, and the fourth episode is just an insane battle, and it's a yeah. war. And then you go back to some Downton Abbey gossip, and some yeah. and some gangster mob shit, and like some untouchable shit. And then an episode that feels like Westworld in space, and then a battle. Yeah, That's, that it, that would have that. What George George was ahead of its his time. Can't believe I'm saying this. George was ahead of his time. <laughs> Because I feel like the prequel trilogy could have been a better Game of Thrones than Game of Thrones ended up being. And here's something. It's funny you say that. I think if George Lucas had been introduced to the, say, the Japanese OVA concept where you have like five cinema quality episodes, but they're, they're supposed to be viewed as a series, but each episode can be watched individually like a movie. I think if he got exposed to that format, or the Game of Thrones HBO, like 10, 11 episodes of like high quality TV. I think he would have chosen that route. However, television in that aspect didn't really mature or hit the public eye until Game of Thrones. Yeah, it didn't exist then. Yeah, so, but I think he would have, being how much he was involved in, in the cutting edge, I think he would have definitely taken that route if it was offered to him or if someone had presented that to him. Um, Remember when that guy made that sick Japanese animated style short? Oh, the Star Fighters? Wars short? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Star Wars yeah. TIE oh. Fighter. Like, Whatever happened to him after he got sued? <laughs> no yeah, I, I, It's I, been up and down a few times on YouTube, but that poor guy poured his heart and soul into that. And uh, Yeah, it's just like, isn't this a fun proof of concept? And it's like, yeah, time to sue you out of all your money. Should have yeah. posted it before Disney bought well the, the thing with disney is you can tell how like bad their content is is they sue people who do a better job than them because they want their audiences to realize how shitty the content is remember that and fucking kid in like early youtube stages when he was flailing around that stick the star wars kid yeah, yeah. they should go after him next yeah, he did oh, a great yeah. job. <laughs> they should oh, sue yeah. his ass for being a better Darth Maul than Darth Maul was. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> right. I, that's why I'm like, um, these guys, 
so so when I see like I guess with episode three and like they have like this great climax like I love how Darth Vader is like Frankenstein's monster and even though his like no sounds goofy like dude like it I think it goes to like he's in a suit to where his pain sounds I would be upset too where you scream no and it comes out like that I'd be like god damn it I hate this suit like who build the voice thing on this like i i was only making fun of it i actually don't think that's a terrible no i think it's fine and that's the ending that we needed for episode three and i actually do like the grand moff tarkin that's standing there with the goofy prosthetics all over his face he's certainly better than the grand moff tarkin that they did in what rogue one oh but, yeah the like one. Rubber. yeah yeah, just employ a new actor and put some fucking prosthetics on his face. That was way better. That one's weird because, like, as a VFX artist, that's that, that's so weird to me. Because if you look at the VFX like tests, where his face is like still, it looks great. Like under like a controlled lighting environment, like it actually looks fantastic and like incredibly real. And then as soon as you try to put it in the practical setting with like interacting with other actors on like a lit stage, it just doesn't freaking look right. It's so weird how that works out. Yeah, it looks yeah. like that that weird Final Fantasy movie. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, I know. I loved that shit when I was a kid, too. <laughs> Just still know nothing about Final Fantasy. Yeah, tiny digression. I was hurt when, like, Final Fantasy wasn't a franchise of, like, military sci-fi ghost movies. I was like, <laughs> I can't wait to watch the next one. And then, like, watch, like see, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, where's the soldiers? And I'm like... Ghosts. Yeah, where are the spirits within? Where's Steve yeah. Buscemi? <laughs> Bro, you guys funny. Um, so like yo, yo, with like another thing I'll say, like, you know what, I think I've been defending the prequels, so I'll like talk about what I think is like egregiously wrong with them. One, I think George Lucas, he should have known. Like, I think he should have known that he couldn't accurately explain every single idea he had. Like, I think he, he should have, I don't know whether, like, that's pride or if he just innocently just thought people would understand. I think it's kind of strange. Like, I wonder what his personal life was like and how that reflected into his, his professional life. Because it, it seems odd that a filmmaker as, I guess, experienced in, in film industry would make the mistakes he did. Um, the, the other piece of it I find that's like kind of odd too is like did this guy even like directing movies? Like, I don't it, think so. It kind of strikes me as like like um, it's kind of weird like you, you get whenever I get talked into certain commissions I find like my most lucrative commissions I have the least enjoyable time working on like even if, it, if someone's like I want a halo drawing from you Sometimes I'm miserable drawing that Halo drawing, despite the fact that I love doing it. Miles, and I need some Halo furries immediately. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, like who knows why? Why it is like that? So I do think George Lucas's soul was in the places he enjoyed putting his soul. Whereas, like clearly, the guy wasn't much for. Like I think he saw acting as a tool and not as an art form. So if the acting was functional, he would accept it, not if the acting was good. Like, I think in episode three, I think it, it does that because there's like a scene called um, like Anakin and Padme's ruminations. 
And people like to pull that scene out of context as an example of how good episode three is. Because by itself, a spectacular scene where like um, both of them are, are kind of like assessing their options in their life. And both of them are like on the verge of tears and in so much pain. And they're just like in silence in other parts of, the, of this world, right? Great. But the thing that everyone forgets is it's bookended by absolute nonsense. Like, it's, it's, like, so weird how it goes from, like, shit, Kino, shit. And, like, those dance steps in such a complicated, I guess, way of stitching together a film through editing and creation and such like that. It, it seems that George Lucas almost was like, you know what, dude? I'm so sick of making these movies that I'm just going to walk through the minefield and I don't care what I step on. Like... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's very weird predicament. Like, like you say, with the uncanny valley for me doesn't come visually. I think it comes from like seeing another Artur. Like, after seeing those films, I would ask him, like, "Yo, dude, like, are you all right? Something up there, George? <laughs> like, you don't see yourself." Like, <laughs> uh, the man yeah. makes how much money? And this is the only man that still goes, I'm going to wear some New Balance shoes. I just like to wear New Balance. I love that. New Balance tennis <laughs> shoes. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's, that's just his, his stick. That's like, stick. dude, the one of him eating at Sabaro's or whatever that weird-ass... Fucking shame Italian mall food. Yeah, yeah. like, screw it, dog. I don't care anymore. To be <laughs> fair, when you're in the mall, what the fuck else are you going to eat, okay? There's you only gotta so get the orange chicken. Can... No, not the panda. You go to Sabaro's, dude. You get that big slice. You just say, like, listen, I'm satisfied, okay? Yeah. <laughs> dude, I was gonna say, say, like, I'm sad. Like, like, dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, George Lucas's tragedy, I feel like he was talking about himself in episode three by that point. Like, I feel like Anakin is Anakin's Anakin totally him. And, and yeah, fucking yeah. Obi-Wan is Star Wars, and he's just sitting there going, I hate you. <laughs> you know what's yeah, funny? It's like, yeah, you could totally look at it that way, because did you know that the earliest concept art of the character that became Han Solo looks like George Lucas? Like, he clearly, like, modeled it after I himself. I just wanted to be a badass, you know? But, I just yeah. like the hair. Ty, you find that, and you send that to me. I, I, I legit it. will, yeah. If you see, like, the earliest sketches of, like, the cast lined up, the, the gunslinger character just looks like young, like, cool George Lucas. And so clearly that was, like, his sort of, like, well, I don't know what this guy looks like yet, so I'll make it a self-insert. Do we have the concept um, of Chewie? The concept, uh, hilarious. The concept oh, yeah. has Chewie wearing... On all four hands and legs, uh, hands and feet is all New Balance shoes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it's I, funny that like his mental image of himself has clearly changed. Where like he's got this very like adventurous, yeah. positive spirit in, he, in his youth, and he there you know, he is. He like, looks like a goon. Yeah, oh, did you he, find he, it? He the, um, no, I'm looking at Chewie. I just said, screw it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks like Zeb from Star Wars Rebels. Like I mean, that's he, the whole point. So Zeb is actually yeah. based off of the Ralph McQuarrie original Chewbacca design, and they took that and said, "Hey, why don't we make that into an actual character now?" Just like they took Luke Starkiller and made Gillian Merrick, aka Starkiller, in Force uh, Force Unleashed. They yeah. they always yeah. take like original concept designs and then go what if we did sort of fan service and made it later there's a I, there's I han solo um, george lucas yeah i'm looking at han solo he looks like 
Oh man, he looks like he's from Barbarella, except less yeah. sexually charged. <laughs> he's got yep. the pod piece. He does. <laughs> Yo, I was saying like one thing I I do like with like the George Lucas is Anakin thing you mentioned is that scene where where they're like we'll put you on this council, but we don't give you the title of master. Like, dude, it's kind of like George Lucas being like, dude, I made a fucking film that changed film forever. It's historic, but like no one will consider me a great filmmaker because it's Star Wars. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, like the Library of Congress sure thought so. They were like, George, <laughs> you're one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Well, I, Give I us the OG he... Star Wars and we'll preserve it forever. No, it's and he not said, Star Wars is appreciation, though. I don't think that was I, I don't I don't think they, he wanted he, um, he wanted to be the in library the library of not his film. Yeah, I think I think they wanted to see a different idea in him. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's a I, okay. Like rewind. Like I, I wish that George Lucas was a more like it, it's weird. His success has alienated him from the type of director I think he wanted to be. Like. Um, in contrast, like Gene Wolfe, the guy who wrote Shadow of the Torture, right? He wrote a masterpiece that's undeniably one of the best pieces of fantasy and sci-fi by a long shot. Like, dude, any, any good author people look up to referred to his book as one of the best books they've ever read. But he's not that popular an author. So he got to enjoy people writing letters to him or calling him on the phone and being individually personable with all his fans. So he got the legendary status, but he also got the small success status. I think George Lucas was of the same mind. I think he, he wanted to be the guy that's at a small table at cons that everyone loves. However, his success was so big that like, he became an icon clearly that morphed into something he didn't really want. And hence why I think that's why he sold the franchise yeah. and... Um, you know, has the relationship with it that he does. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he still loved Star Wars. I wouldn't be surprised if he hated Star Wars. Um, I just I want see to see why... the man make something his own and something yeah. that he loves and something that's an original IP. Same thing with John Carpenter. He just got yeah. tired in the end. All he wanted to do was make a Western. And, mm. and everyone was just like, no, it's got to be a gimmick. Okay, I'll make Big Trouble in Little China. Now can I make my Western? Sure. Oh, but it's got to be a gimmick. Okay, I'll make Vampires. Can I make a Western now? Sure. Yeah. But it's got to be in space, and you got to get Ice Cube in on it. Wait, so right, did, make did, Ghost John, of Mars. did John Carpenter never actually – he wanted to make a Western? Yeah, he's always – dude, every single film that he has made is inspired by Howard Hawks. Like, I mean, it is a – he wants to make a Western so bad. And the last film he made was the closest thing he got to it. Ghost of Mars is the closest Western he's gotten. Mm. And, and that, point, that, just, that just makes me feel bad. And it makes me feel bad for George Lucas because I think all he wanted to do was make the next Kelly's Heroes or Dirty Dozen or Where Eagles Dare. Yeah. And that's why Rogue One pisses me off so much because they had the chance to make Where oh, Eagles geez. Dare in space and all they made was that, shit. It was a <laughs> video game. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, all they made was a video <laughs> game. That's like the best one. 
No, dude, Han Solo is the best. Solo's the best one. Yeah, uh, I, I forget that exists. I know, I forget it exists. Too, I literally don't Solo... remember that movie. I actually but, I, like someone will say Solo every time, and I'll go, "Oh no, I forgot that actually happened." And I the literally reason forget that movie exists. The reason why it's it 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 doesn't it feels like it doesn't exist is because the character of Han Solo in it, whether it's the actor or the character of or whoever is so forgettable the yeah. only thing i remember from that film is the supporting cast and the wild west train robberies that are happening in space like that's tight i i actually find that star like no solo is the only new wars one that feels authentic because yeah. it has the same flaws the original star wars movies have right, Damn, right. Like, right. I, I gotta stop us only because eventually <laughs> yeah we're getting eventually out. we oh, are gonna it. do oh, a disney we're gonna do a disney okay that's gonna be a short one it's gonna be like i ate it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm glad we all we're all agreed agree. <laughs> yeah court adjourned honestly yeah, i feel yeah. like we could do like a solely like non like sequel stuff like just everything disney's had a hand on that's not part of the main line so like solo rogue one mandalorian uh, oh we could we could do that we could do the sequel movie trilogy itself we can easily even do like expanded stuff from games from before to the games now to like oh, everything yeah. there's like basically Here's... we if we wanted to we could just turn this show into each episode of something new star, of star wars, wars but we're not going to do that here's something that we can do we can talk about we can talk about here uh, you know episode seven episode seven sucked but here's a film that you can watch that that will oh. that will scratch that itch mm, you didn't like solo here's a film that will scratch that itch for can, you. can i kind of like my little objection one thing I loved was hearing a lot of my followers being like, you know, I don't like the new Star Wars. Or like a lot of my friends, like, I don't like the new Star Wars. And I'm like, can I introduce you to the world of anime where people saw Star Wars and made good shit from it? Like, there's so many Star Wars pastiches that are mind-bogglingly awesome. And, and that's one thing I, I appreciate about Star Wars is its lasting impact. Like, star, Japanese Star Wars culture... Like, this is what I think is kind of funny is like the prequels are like, they, they never were bad films in Japan. The Japanese loved them. Like they liked everything about them. And the voice acting in the Japanese versions is so good that it like sells the movie. What does Jar Jar sound like? I don't know what Jar, I think he sounds largely the same, <laughs> but like every actor has got like a formidable performance. Like Legend of the Galactic Heroes tier. Oh, so like, Anakin actually mm-hmm. sounds good. Yeah, and I can sound like also because really I'd be like, I don't know what he's saying, so it must sound pretty dope. Yeah, it, it sounds like, dude, the Japanese dub on the prequels is worth a watch because it, it it's completely changes the gravitas of the films. Like from the political sequences to the romantic ones. Um, but anyways, um, what I was trying to say say before is like I think it's funny how like the, the prequels, people rag on them in the West, the East loved them. The sequels, everyone like pretends to like them for some reason. Well, I guess like the mainstream crowd are just like they try to shove it down your throat so hard. And then like the Japanese fans are like, nah, like whatever, dude. And then everyone's like, the the only part you really like about the sequels is like the shit the Japanese like, which is Kylo Ren, like because they put a Naruto character in Star Wars. Like Kylo Ren is actually he's just, yeah, 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 yeah basically. The best one. Dude, they should have given him a Sith headband. 
Like, that's the thing that, that kind of irritates me. Like, if if I was doing it, they should have just made Kylo Ren like a Sith ninja, like <laughs> we're like standing, like the, the Shaolin standing on like a, a tree branch that clearly can't support him. But like <laughs> in the in the silhouette of the moon, being like, hmm, elementary. Like you don't think I would be such a flaw in your attack? <laughs> but anyway. Oh, um, guys, it's, it's getting like pretty late for me. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. We we, okay. we went way over. Closing statements. Closing Success. statements, boys. But, yeah, here's my closing remarks on the prequels. Um, I think George Lucas is like a formidable mind and talent, and a force to be reckoned with in terms of like cinematic technology and merchandising and such like that. But the thing is, is like his genius was for everything except directing. Like, he just is not a a good director. Or I don't think he was enthused enough about directing in order to make the project he wanted. Like, episode four, I almost feel like he directed that movie out of raw necessity, not because he particularly wanted to either. And I think in some ways he even asked for other directors, or maybe they asked him if they could direct, but he said no. But, like, I'd like to know the decisions behind that. Because, to be honest, that's the only, like discernible flaw in my eyes that is why those movies suffer it's just his direction like if you swapped out a director who was just more competent and let george lucas do everything else the way he did it i think people would have a completely different experience with the with the prequels so yeah i think like in in the ways it it depicts george lucas as an artur no better way to describe this character through strength or weakness by watching the prequels. Like, you know what he's good at and you know what he's bad at. Mm-hmm. Wants to Man. go next. I'll, I'll go. I think, um, yeah, I agree in a lot of ways. I think if I could be a fly on the wall and just like spy on George Lucas with all his supposed like little ideas and scripts that he's got out in his, you know, little private writing studio. I wish I could see them, steal them and make them into something amazing because it feels like as an ideas man, he's like one of the best. But yeah, he's, uh, he, he very seldom writes and he very seldom directs. And it seems like all his best stuff comes from when he gives people a framework and they work off of it. Um, and, and it's weird because it's like, it, it's both difficult to like attribute credit to him and to like, you know, mistakenly potentially take it away it's like i don't know how to credit george lucas on a lot of stuff it's funny to see a lot of his credits on like imdb and on wikipedia as just creator which i find really interesting he's got tons of credits where he's listed as creator not just of his star wars but like of a concept or a series or or even just a framework for a story and um it seems like that's what he's best at and I hope he keeps doing it because it seems like for the crowd that really want it, that's like his best, you know, uh, it's like the the biggest thing that he can offer to anybody is just throwing ideas at other writers and other directors and letting them take them. So I've got, I've got three things to say. First, poor George. Poor George. (laughs) We're sorry, George. George. Yeah, we are sorry. You know what, George, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for I'm sorry what the fans did to you. I'm sorry for what your peers did to you outside of film school. I'm sorry you didn't get to make the movies you always wanted to make after Star Wars. You had you had a good three film run uh, with with THX American Graffiti and the original Star Wars. Second thing I want to say 
is if you're looking for if you're looking for any films to like fill that void, like maybe you really loved episode four and loved episode five, you may have even liked episode six, but nothing's really getting you. There are tons and tons and tons of hard sci-fi and sci-fi fantasy films out there that you people haven't discovered. So get out there and watch them. Third, if you want something that really has that expansive universe that isn't creatively bankrupt, that, that you want to fill that void we got star trek baby <laughs> except for the new star trek discovery and picard could suck my balls but i mean even <laughs> star trek baby that's it all right i'm out <laughs> of it. all right uh for me uh i'll go through a cu- i got a couple uh i won't take too long uh looking back at these movies as a kid, you know, growing up, they just do a shit ton for you. Uh, for better or for worse, these are our Star Wars movies. This was our trilogy growing up. This is what we had and everything that came out of that, which is why I think we kind of grew up in the richest in terms of Lucas era time. Uh, and afterwards, growing up, going to like school with all of you guys, I got introduced to find out all of the flaws about it doing like group watches with the Plinkett reviews, understanding why they were flawed, why there were a lot of failures in them. And then also listening to Miles' side, like elaborating on the successes and the hidden behind the scenes things because I just didn't look into that much or I didn't even know like much about Dante's Inferno and stuff like that made it even better at the same time. So now I see like the very hot, the very cold for it. But looking at it too, at the same time, uh, at the bottom line, at the end of the day, it's still a trilogy I can easily always watch, always smile and always have a good time like watching it, even knowing it's not like the end all be all. It's not the best. I still prefer a lot of movies over it easily, uh, but it's still something that I know I will have legitimate enjoyment from just watching each time. And yeah, that's pretty much my end all takeaway from it. I think, but gentlemen, I think, uh, I think we did a great first episode. Uh, Sorry, Ty. I I knew it. I called it. I called it immediately. I said, it's not going to be an hour. I knew it wouldn't be. (laughs) We went like two hours. We're over double the amount of time, but I will say this Uh, because of that, I was kind of rushing with the intro. I may try to record something beforehand just to kind of give a more elaborate intro, or we might just say, fuck it and have it out like this. I'll talk to you about it. Um, but uh, yeah, this is our first episode of Up To It, Down To It. I'll, I'll say it at the end here now, actually. Uh, this show was basically supposed to be originally the four of us uh, just start talking random things, basically talking shit about random stuff like we used to at school together because that's what we would always do. We'd just be like sitting in a room or in a, like a dorm common area after watching movies and we'd be drinking and talking shit about stuff. And it was like the best time we had. So I thought, why not make it a podcast? But of course we have a lot of other friends that we basically grew into our own, basically Savannah family. And I've always wanted to, I realized why stop here when we could make it more universal for everyone. So the show is basically going to have rotating chairs throughout episodes. Obviously we'll have episodes like this. I feel like honestly, most star Wars episodes will probably be us for easily among other things, but we will have uh, always usually three to four people uh, rotating through it. And all of it, though, all of this originates from 
specifically the four of us always having good times going to a fucking pirate restaurant and reciting lines while we drink and getting fucking like calamari and shit so one uh thank you guys for coming on and i'm glad we can make this happen yeah i had a blast that was fun dude i i think um the other thing too i like is is we have a, a pretty decent format because it's it's not like the the sanitized podcast where it's like we are talking about this one thing today i think the digressions are some really interesting takes that wouldn't come out any other way than through genuine conversation so um i feel like a lot of uh podcasts i don't listen to because it feels like a stage play or a news broadcast whereas i do enjoy like like our friends can hang out with us with the podcast because we're talking so naturally I think we got good yeah. chemistry. Yeah. The, the only thing is, I feel like, um, oh my gosh, like I, I do feel like we guys need to get better at conversing professionally, though. Oh yeah, no, we. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm, I mean dude, I'm Italian. I'm gonna be dropping f bombs throughout the whole. Time. Miles, I may have to edit dude, a couple specific me. words you say. I haven't figured it out yet. I've never had to bleep someone before. But oh, I'm like, oh shit! Yeah, right, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. You know out. how hard it was for me to not say. <laughs> Throughout this I'm gonna have glitches now. This is gonna be interesting. I that, I say our tour now. I say our tour, but when I say our tour, I truly mean our tour. You're me more shit to work on. So boys, so good. Hi, where can people find you? Oh, freaking! <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything to promote. Go on What's your Twitter? Twitter? Twitter at it's Titanic uh, with a T Y. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Roman, where can people follow you? Uh, if you liked what I was talking about, all the bullshit that I talked about with all these movies and you're looking for any film recommendations, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Instagram slash revolver Roman. That's two R's in the middle revolver Roman. Uh, it was a pleasure. Miles, the counts, where can people find you? All right. In jail, but normally <laughs> <God damn. laughs> normally on Twitter, the count is my handle. And I might yell at you. I might have a conversation. I'm sorry, I'm really unpredictable. I can't help it. But you will never be bored. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> the count the ends. All right. And you can follow me, Comron, at GoGoComzilla on Twitter. And of course, uh, this will be a sub portion of Sutra Side Talk because I specifically just don't want to pay extra for a second RSS feed. Uh, so this will be coming out along with un under that umbrella. So if you want more of the show, of course, make sure you uh, subscribe to Sutra Side Talk. This episode will be available on uh, everything from, I had to think about it for a second actually, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and just follow if you want to know the releases uh follow sutra side talk on twitter which is where i'll be tweeting out the releases for this show uh for the announcements and everything else and potentially maybe in the future uh if we have a topic i'll just uh people want to have questions we can have them write in and send us questions and stuff so that might be dope we'll see it's like all right boys until our next episode potentially maybe with the same people with different people i have no idea what the second episode will be about we'll see how it goes also i forgot almost forgot sorry uh the plan is this will be once every two weeks potentially that's cool yeah right. so 
Uh, just if anyone wants to know when the next one will come out, because this is probably going to release on Friday, most likely, depending on how long it takes me to bleed people. All righty. All right. <laughs> All right. That is don't, it. Don't bleep the F-bombs. They add. I'm going to leave those. <laughs> I'm just the specific other thing. <laughs> God damn. All right. I'm, I'm, uh, fuck it. All right. It's over. Wait, would you bleep, would you bleep this? Cunt. No, I don't. I think I'd leave. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> is good. All right, British All people right, like I'm, that. I'm hopping off. All right, See stopping you. recording All right. now.